And for today's episode, I have Shirley Ladder of Between Two Worlds, who's going to talk about Renette Pulaski with me, and um, I'll let her introduce herself further. Oh, hi. <laughs> what do you want me to say about myself, Colin? <laughs> oh, I guess yeah, everything about Between Two Worlds, Blue Rose, um, anything okay. that uh, about like Twin Peaks and uh, what it means to you? Yeah, so I fell in love with Twin Peaks when I was 13, when it first appeared on my screen, and um at first, I wasn't allowed to be up that late, so I would kind of watch it in the dark on the floor in front of my little portable television. Um, and I just fell in love with it for life. And it, it just, it kind of dictated a lot of things in my life, how I dressed, the, the other things that I loved, the other things I watched. You know, it's just, it's just been a huge part of everything. Um, and then in 2017, I started joining Facebook groups and started running Facebook groups. I was lucky enough to also start writing for 25 years later when they're in the in their early days. Um, and I wrote for them for maybe a year or so, a year and a half until I kind of felt like I'd, I'd said enough for them because <laughs> I'd done quite a lot. And then um, I did some articles for Blue Rose magazine, which also was a huge honor and my first time in magazine print. So that was really special. Um, and at the moment, I'm kind of not, writing for anyone um but obviously my love for the show is still as intense as it was at the start when i reached out to you about which characters you like to co-host for ronette was actually uh, one of the first ones you mentioned and um i guess in summary what was the uh, big thing about ronette that made you want to talk about her for a full episode i think for me ronette is the forgotten victim and and that's exactly how i see her she absolutely could have been laura and had laura's fate at any point in time um and i think um i mean my favorite character is cooper everybody wants to talk about cooper everybody wants to talk about laura it's nice to talk about the characters who are very impactful within the story but don't really get their time so much actually that is perfect because uh, my thing with renette is that um i'm thinking of dale cooper's intro where when he's driving at Twin Peaks, he talks about the girl down the railroad tracks. And it seems like it just, if we're just based off that, having no knowledge of like Laura or anything from before that point in the pilot, it seems like everything about Renette would take more precedent in some cases because, you know, in Fire Walk with Me, she goes through pretty much all the same events that Laura does. You know, it's like a with uh, Jacques and Leo being taken to the train, uh, mm -hmm. then like barely surviving and just like walking for hours on end before people can see her. Uh, yeah, she shares a lot of that journey, and I think the biggest irony, and maybe in cases hypocrisy in the town, is that you know Laura, she's found dead, and it's like everyone in the in the in the whole town is just devastated. And conversely, Renette, she's still alive, but she's not really talked about. She's only just like a footnote to them. Yeah, exactly, because Renette isn't the perfect victim. She isn't the beautiful homecoming queen. She doesn't come from a wonderful, you know, middle class family that's big in society there. She comes from a working class family. She isn't as well known within the community. And if Ronette had have been the one to die, 
then it would have been a oh, high school girl. She was doing drugs. She was a prostitute. She died. It happens. They would have just moved on, you know, with Laura, because the, the, the outer side of her life was so perfect. It, it just um, so much more came out of the woodwork about what was going on underneath. Um, but we have to remember that without Ronette crossing the state line, the FBI wouldn't have been involved and we would have no Cooper. Well, we would have a Cooper. He would exist. He wouldn't have been in Twin Peaks. You know, so um, she's she's the crux of the story right from the beginning. And I remember watching that when I was a teenager, feeling like, you know, it was so frustrating, those scenes where she would always kind of look like she was going to wake up and then she didn't. She was going to say something and then she didn't because I, I remember feeling like she had the answers. She had all the answers and she was going to be the one who was going to just wake up and she was going to tell everyone everything and that was going to be it. They were going to know who did it, you know, which um, obviously never happens because maybe it doesn't happen in real life either. But it, it was just this little thing all the way through. They kind of dropped it off a little bit, you know, in the middle of season two. But there was always this little tease of Ronette was, was gonna say something and she was gonna have some very important information. Um, and um, I love, I just wanna, I don't know if this is any part to like mention it now because it's not like right at the start, but one of my favorite scenes of the whole show is when Cooper and Harry go to talk to Ronette in the hospital and they can't get the stools <laughs> to go to the right height. I love that scene. That's a scene where, because uh, actually, I guess before we get to that, my favorite part, not just pertaining to Ronette, but in the entire original series, is actually her nightmare of Bob, like at the season two finale, because it is yeah. incredibly dark and horrifying uh, mm -hmm. and, and from top to bottom. But then the next episode, um, it is where it's uh, Truman and Cooper walk in, and it's legitimately like at least a minute of them reading the instructions, trying to figure it out. And it's like the most inappropriate yet hilarious like part at least of that episode and uh it's something that only lynch could pull off if anyone else did it it probably would have had like an insensitive streak to it but there's just something about like the way he uh handled that scene that just it's easily the most memorable part of that entire like conversation with ronat it is it's so slapstick and so ridiculous and the the fact that they're kind of embarrassed in front of her and when they do sort it out they're kind of apologetic and like you know they're just really embarrassed that that happened and I love it so much it just makes me laugh so much that they want to impress her you know mm -hmm. they want to impress her because like they're the police and she's got all this knowledge and actually we'll just we'll just mess around with our stools for 20 minutes before we get to you you know <laughs> actually I guess uh, kind of since we're on the topic of Rana in the hospital uh, one of the things I was thinking of is that uh, she has the nightmare of Bob you know, it's uh, in Fire Walk with me. It's clear, like we see Leland and uh, where she like where like he's like pushing Ronette and Laura to the train car. Uh, I guess now that like we have both the movie and that dream, do you think that Ronette saw Bob in Fire Walk with me, or do you think it was Leland and then Bob is just like this almost like a trickle down effect, if you will? I always thought that it would make sense if she saw Leland. It would make sense in the sense that a lot of people believe Bob was a fabrication of Laura's imagination in, in order to, you know, help her deal with the situation and to avoid the reality. Um, I've always wondered if Ronette ever had any premonitions of Bob like Maddie did. I, I always assume that Laura didn't talk to Ronette about that because Ronette was part of her escapism. She probably didn't know a lot about Laura's home life. And so I would I, I would always think it would make more sense if 
she saw Leland coming into the cabin. She saw Leland's dad, uh, she saw uh, Laura's dad coming in. Um, but she saw Bob, she recognized the picture of him. She smelled the scorched engine oil. You know, I think um, it does seem within the show that she did see Bob, but maybe she saw him in the same respect that we see him, of him just coming in and out, you know, maybe because she was so close to death in that moment, because the lodge beings were around, maybe she kind of got sucked into that little place between worlds where you can see both sides of it. Because by the same token, did Maddie see Bob or did she just see her uncle killing her? Actually, that does tie into Maddie pretty well as well, because I think of that scene in season two when um, when uh, when Philip Gerard, uh, he's in the sheriff station and he turns into Mike and he talks about how uh, only the gifted and the damned can see Bob. And there's yeah. something that like, you know, uh, like, for example, like, you know, it starts off with Leland where he has that like visceral just reaction to seeing the heavy seen this man poster. Uh, Renette has some similar um, in the case of Sarah Palmer in season one. She sees him like in the living room uh and then maddie uh i guess that one could be debatable but you know there is still a reason for the shift of leland and bob in that scene and there's something about all these characters that seems like there's something that there's a it, it could be a gifted and or the damn type of scenario that there's something special about these characters because at least with like leland sarah and maddie they're all like blood related but in the case of renette she's actually completely different uh she was like basically like a uh, basically the alternative to Donna, if you will, for Laura. Yes, the anti-Donna, I always think of her, exactly. Donna saw the Laura that went on picnics and had a nice boyfriend with a motorcycle. And, you know, um, Ronette knew who she really was and Ronette accepted who she really was because maybe Ronette understood why she was doing those things because she was doing the same things and it does seem like there was a little of a soulmate situation with them like it, if you go over um what Laura says in her diary when they first met I mean they were 14 when they first met at a party and um there was an instant attraction you know it was it was always implied there that Laura had never explored that side of her sexuality until she met Ronette and obviously that's probably something she would never have spoken to Donna about. Yeah, she wouldn't have spoken to Donna about those feelings because Donna was very all-American, had her nice boyfriend. It's probably not things that came up within their friendship. Um, whereas Ronette um, probably didn't even ask her anything about her life. They just spent that time together in the darkness, away from their real lives, away from school, away from everything. I mean, we never see Ronette at school, you know? the chances are she just kind of dropped out and that's her life now, you know? That's actually not a bad point. Um, I guess, uh, you know, that actually would kind of reaffirm a lot about like her life, you know, like what's uh, what she has to do to get by in life. But I guess also come back to um, the anti-Donna aspect where it's like maybe not complete coincidence and fire walk with me that uh, after Donna, she's in the pink room and um and that's where we get to see like you know she kind of like takes the drugs unknowingly but then brunette emerges and then is like and then and is conveniently kind of like forgotten about like after laura realizes donna's predicament yeah i mean don't you love how the music changes when brunette comes in my friend's here now it's okay now you know yeah and but you're right as soon as laura uh, sees donna she starts screaming for jacques to help her brunette's just left there Mm -hmm. I don't know that's the sad thing is that it's like I guess that's the running theme is that like every part of it run that's like conveniently forgotten about 
Uh, and it's just that, you know, it's like, I, 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 keep, I know I'm coming back to it, but it's like in with Laura, like she's uh, found dead and the town is devastated. And then Ronette mm -hmm. is just like a footnote to them. Uh, yeah, because yeah, there's that part of me, and this is more behind the scenes, but I do wish that after Leland's death, if like, you know, Ronette was adjusting to her life, if there was something, you know, going by what you said about she saw Leland firewalk with me, is that like she would have more to say that would expand further on that story. Because uh, it's a very jarring shift of tone of like, you know, going from Leland's death to just completely just like sidelining any aspect of the collateral damage. You're right. But I, I think when we do see Ronette again at the end, she obviously is a, a shell of her former self. Um, I think it, it might be easy to assume maybe she was in some kind of psychiatric hospital, maybe during that time, you know, and still trying to find herself. And, you know, I have strong thoughts about the American girl in season three as well. Maybe she's um, that part of Ronette that actually didn't recover, that is still trapped inside that trauma. And, and really is, you know, typical of those kind of American girls at the heart of the story who are completely lost and completely dismissed. Uh, I feel like the way I look at it kind of reaffirms the whole Ronette being forgotten is then part 17 when Dale rescues Laura. I view that when he does that, he creates two realities, one where Laura goes missing and the other is just the continuation of her being murdered. Uh, yeah. But my thing is that uh, in the case of the American girl, I do believe that that is Ronette in part three. And I think that that's her in the reality where Laura went missing, because that would yeah. mean that she was like with Leo and Jacques that night. And, uh, yeah. you know, she would have faced their wrath. And who knows, like what, what Leland would have been doing. Leland slash Bob would have been doing that night uh, with Laura not being there. But I feel like that, uh, that uh, you know, people talk about Laura being deprived of her angel at the end of Fire Walk with me. I think the same thing is applicable for Cooper, where he denied Ronette her angel in the train car. And this is like some fate that she's kind of like left to. Yeah, I think as well. Um, there's, um, I don't know, I think there's a big part of Ronette that she, if if she is the American girl, possibly she's paying back the help that she got in the train car that now she's one of the helpers she would recognize cooper she would know who he was she would know that he was missing if she was still in the town and so um if american girl is ronette part of ronette from the other timeline she would know um that the, the mother was a danger to him and so this is kind of her paying back that moment of salvation that she had in the train car when she was helped and she was saved. Maybe her role now is to, to try and do that for other people. Um, and I think in the final dossier, I don't enjoy the final dossier, but it does say in there that as far as Ronette's concern, uh, concerned, Laura went missing. But it does also say that Ronette was kidnapped that night and was found walking down the railroad tracks, which is a little bit of a cop out because that's a kind of half story, isn't it? I mean, if, if that night Ronette was kidnapped and didn't remember anything and was found on the railroad tracks, then, okay, so she was taken to the train car alone, so why wasn't she killed? You know, it's kind of a, it is a bit of a cop-out if you, if you read the alternate timeline explanation, which I yeah. don't... Um... <laughs> My thing with uh, part 17 is that, uh, you know, it's like if we're talking about one reality where Laura's like still murdered and another where she goes missing, 
I think that, uh, and this is applicable to way more of season three, but there's the idea that so much yet so little changes with that. Like barring characters like Audrey, that like there would still be that inherent devastation in the town, but their grieving process would be different and Cooper's influence on the town would be completely different as well. And, uh, you know, like, for example, the scene in part seven with the shot reverse shot in the double R diner, where it shows that there's like these two events if happening at the same time, one of which is actually the guy asking about Billy, who happens to be a big part for Audrey. So, Yeah. yeah, I do. I think there's some sort of connection. And I know that not a lot of people uh, or not. I mean, not a lot, but not everyone subscribes to the idea that that uh, there's multiple realities like that. But uh, for me, at least, that's something that just rings true where like a lot of
it, it's just like it encompasses everything that he loves within one 18 hour project. Yeah, I, I view that as like his magnum opus of every the culmination of every project he's done, every project he wanted to do. Mm -hmm. um, and just like the, uh, yeah, again, like uh, with season three where it was uh, Sabrina Sullivan talking about how she was trying to tell Showtime it's an 18-hour movie, not, not like a episodic series. And yeah. Um, yeah, so it is, so it's like a, you know, once you keep that in mind, it's like very easy to kind of look at like, at least kind of get a sense of what Lynch is trying to go for in terms of like how he views his characters and like all of his art from decades, uh, decades past. Exactly. Yeah. And I think um, as well, he's at that age now where I think he doesn't really care if people like what he does. He just wants to do what he wants to do. Well, maybe he's always been that way. You know, but I think maybe more so now he's like, I'm going to potter in my shed. And if I do a film, I'll do a film. But it's going to be what I want and not what people tell me to do. You know, yeah. Lynch <laughs> has never seemed like the guy who's like, hey, yeah, I'll do this for the fans. It's always just been him being authentically himself from beginning to end. And uh, the thing is that yeah. that's probably why some like season three doesn't land for people like uh, like, for example, uh, Warren Friedrich. He was actually talking about how when he was watching it week after week. He knew people where there's just this feeling of just feeling frustrated by like the Dougie Jones segment or plot threads. It seemed like they weren't really going anywhere. And it was like a, it was very, I guess, rewarding and frustrating at once. Going back to the way Cooper treats her. Um, she, at the beginning, Cooper needs her. She's very important to him because she has information that he needs and that he wants in order to solve the case. Um, she does kind of get a little forgotten about. She's in her coma. Everyone just kind of leaves her to it, you know. And um, at the end, when he's almost on his way to the Black Lodge and he just needs those few last little things to kind of... He, I think he already has decided what he's going to do. He's already decided that he knows it all, you know. He's, he's got the map. He's like, we're nearly there. I know what to do, even though obviously Wyndham is the one who kind of leads him there, but he already, he really wanted to go, you know, he really wanted to see this other side of things. Um, and bringing Monette in at that point, all that really achieves is just re-traumatizing her, bringing her in purely to smell the scorched engine oil. And then as soon as she kind of confirms that, yes, that's the smell from that night, he's forgotten about her again. You know, he's like, okay, this is it. We've got it. We're going to go. Like, she's just she's just left there now. Maybe completely, you know, irrevocably traumatized. Any healing she's done is just out of the window because he made her smell that kind of god-awful smell again. And, um, yeah, he just totally forgets about her and goes back to his map. And that's kind of the end of Ronette. No one really cares what happens to her next. And... That's the saddest part, I think. It was completely unnecessary and so different from how he treated her in the hospital when he was so gentle and so kind to her because he needed to coax information from her. It's that little different Cooper we see sometimes, that Cooper from the pilot, who also very much is like Cooper from Part 18, very focused. The Cooper who fries guns, you know? <laughs> Yeah, Gunfrying Cooper is the one who really didn't care what happened to Ronette at that point because he was so focused on his own thing and what he was going to do and his success and him saving, you know, the, the girls. And um, 
yeah, but she wasn't one of them, you know. Save Laura, save Annie, but Ronette's just, you know, not even on his radar at yeah. that point. It's really sad, I guess isn't so, because I don't, I don't think there's anything really in the final dossier. Because I, I, what I do is for each episode, I try to go through like each book of like whether it's like the secret diary or secret history, final dossier, access guide to the town. And uh, I, I would have loved if they had like a whole dossier about Ronette just because it would make sense just for the proximity of everything with like Laura's case. You know, whether in each, whether you believe it's like either she was murdered or missing in whichever reality, but you think Ronette would still be a certain degree of proximity in like in some capacity. Yeah, exactly. Um, and we don't really know anything about Ronette. We don't know anything about her background. Um, you know, apart from seeing her parents, there's really nothing about her personal life that, that ever comes up. No one ever talks about her. No one comes forward to talk about how amazing Ronette was and how she was a great friend. And Laura has all these people who have opinions of her and have experiences with her and they all want to talk about her. And Ronette has nobody. None of the high school children say, oh yeah, we remember Ronette, you know, she used to be at school. No, she's not mentioned. It's like they've never met her. It's like she wasn't at school with them. No one knew her. Um, I think the only glimpse we get of her home life is the fact that her parents grieved together and um, which is very different from Sarah and Leland who seem to very quickly turn against each other once Laura dies. Um, and really they only seem to be together united when they're at the Hayward's dinner party, which obviously doesn't end well anyway. Um, and yeah, all we see of Ronette is her parents grieving together. They seem like nice people, you know, they're working class. Maybe she has a really nice, supportive, functional family life and she just chose a darker path anyway. Maybe she chose it out of boredom. It's a small town. There's probably not a great deal for teenagers to do there. Um, but we really don't know. No idea what her, her background is. Which again is really sad. Like someone talk about I, her. I guess the this uh, <laughs> I guess the real the short answer for both questions would be we don't know. But um, one of the things I do think about is that after Leland's death, they have a three days later when uh, the town would be very much in like a just dire straits. Because uh, you think of like for example mm -hmm. Ben Horn uh, when he's about to have his midlife crisis, he talks about how his uh, his former lawyer was a homicidal lunatic, but they never confirm or deny like what he really knows about like, you know, anything, whether it's the Bob aspect or, you know, what he did to Laura. And this might, you know, obviously yeah. this doesn't 100% pertain to Renette, but at the same time, you think that with all the collateral damage that would have happened, at least in that three day window frame, that, that Renette would have some, you know, would be like reached out to in some capacity. Yeah, I you know, I love that three days later because so much fan fiction could be written about mm -hmm. that, couldn't it? It's such a weird little thing just to miss that chunk of time out when everything else is quite um linear. And the episodes, they, the episodes aren't really a day, but you know, it kind of pans out that way. That through the season it's been about a month. Uh, through the two seasons, it's been about a month to the end. So it kind of works out. But yeah, just missing a three-day chunk for no reason. Um it's really enticing, isn't it? Like so much could have happened within that time. And Ben, talking about Ben, he he knew Ronette. She worked at the perfume counter. She worked at One Eye Jacks, you know? So mm -hmm. he knew her. He was probably sleeping with her. 
but he doesn't even, yeah, even he doesn't talk mention her. her he doesn't care yeah it's really weird isn't it you know and audrey audrey's you know making a big drama about how you know her friend was murdered she doesn't say my friend was murdered and my other friend was kidnapped you know there's no mention of of her knowing Ronette from school either like two girls went missing that night and um only one of them seems relevant to anybody it makes me sad for Ronette this is why I like to talk about her because you know she is she's just so symbolic of so many young teenage girls so many young teenage girls even now are living her lifestyle and um, so many of them could just go by the wayside and, and not come home one night. And it's, it's just really sad that it, it doesn't matter because she didn't die. It, it should matter just as much or more because they, she can still be saved. You know, actually, that does make me think, um, and this is uh, about talking about Laura for a bit before it shifts back to Ronette. But uh, I know Cheryl Lee talked about that if someone reached out to Laura, that she would have gotten the help that she, like, you know, absolutely needed. But, uh, you know, I guess like in the yeah. case of like, you know, with Laura, where they don't really like, it's sort of like with Bobby, where he talks at the funeral, it's like we all knew that she was in trouble, but we didn't do anything. Uh, you know, it's like if someone mm -hmm. like that, who can be like, you know, uh, basically uh, where the whole town will stop after her death. But, you know, it's like even if they could barely help Laura, what does this mean for run that like after season two? Because uh, you, you made up that you made the great point of uh, that she'd be in a psychiatric ward. But uh, I'm thinking like a hypothetical season three or even like in the actual season three got where they talk about the days after Cooper and the Black Lodge where Ronette isn't really addressed in any capacity. Yeah, I think I would have preferred in season three if it had been Ronette waking up in a bright white room in front of a mirror rather than Audrey. That would make just as much sense. You know, they were all damaged in the same way. And um I, I think that would just make us just as much sense if that scene had have been Ronette in a psychiatric facility because what I don't know what would have come to, of her like I know this is really a big downer but I kind of think she probably wouldn't have survived it eventually probably whatever happened that night she was seen by Bob she was seen by the Black Lodge and I think once they target you they're not gonna they probably didn't forget her like the town did you know and I think eventually that darkness probably reached out and and found her again which is really tragic but I mean it's unlikely they would have just kind of let her go because she was supposed to die that night let's not forget Laura wasn't supposed to die Laura was supposed to be mm -hmm. possessed so Laura in essence would have died but her body would have continued possessed by Bob Ronette was to be Laura's first victim. this actually does come back to the idea that in uh, part 17 I know take the ring has brought this up that uh that Cooper doesn't really understand Bob's motivation or just like he or just yeah. like you know they're just something that he just that compels him to you know go in to save her regardless but I would say that no he like Cooper does not understand Bob's motivation and uh you know that it, it's already bad enough for for Laura and the whole thing with Carrie Page but uh, yeah, like in the case of Renette, you bring up a great point about how she would have like been like, I don't know, like a sacrificial lamb, if you will. Yeah, exactly. And um, there's that moment when obviously Laura's given up on her angels, she, which is her giving up hope. Obviously, she knew at that point she was going to die. Um, and in a way, it was a choice for her to die rather than be possessed. She knew it was going to happen. Um, and when 
Ronette didn't give up hope. She didn't give up her faith and her angel did come. There's just a look that passes between them. And I think in that moment, they realize that actually now it's Laura's night to die, not Ronette's. And they both kind of realize in that moment that Laura's not coming back. Um, and it's really heartbreaking because they were truly friends. It is such a heartbreaking moment to just see that little glance between them when when Laura kind of realizes like, I'm on my own now, that's it, she's, she's getting out. It's really, um, it's just a really sad way for their friendship to end as well, you know? Going through this awful thing together, but knowing that they, they couldn't help each other is awful. This just sprung to mind about the uh, Black Lodge, but I was just thinking of how uh, how uh, Mike, he, he begs like to have the train car opened, and then uh, basically uh, once um, once the door is open, Bob slash Leland knocks her out. And then one armed man uh, just leaves her there. And then even Leland slash Bob just kind of nudges her. Uh, which, by the way, if, have you ever seen the picture of what she looks like in the final shot? The way her arms are? Her, it, she's upside down, no. but she's... Uh, so, of course, people can't see it. But she's making some sort oh. of like a almost a meanwhile type of gesture. Um, I'll post a pi- I'll post a oh. picture of it for like uh, once we put this episode out. But um, yeah, it was yeah. something that someone posted online. I thought like that's that's not a coincidence. I think the fact that it's upside down wow. and the fact that it's close enough to that gesture, even if maybe it wasn't Lynch's intention, yeah. I think there's some that retroactively fits in with it. Yeah, and there's always the kind of belief that the one-armed man wanted to get access so that he could help, but. He didn't help Ronette. He just wanted to throw the ring yeah. into there. But he was all about the ring, you know. And so, again, he was focused on Laura. Ronette was just there. Um, and even when Leland is, you're right, he's carrying Laura's body out. He just gives her a nudge. She's like, yeah, she's dead. He, he doesn't care to check or to finish her off because she's irrelevant. She was just there. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, barring her uh, guardian angel, like, it's just like everyone else has forgotten about her. Um, and of course, like, you yeah. know, it's like, I, I wouldn't want Twin Peaks to have anything explained, but uh, I would at least think it would be interesting to know more about her home life. And, you know, not enough to, like, you know, have it just be fully explained, but just enough to, like, get a little more of a sense of who she is. Yeah, because I think... Um... I think all the credit really goes to Phoebe for bringing that character alive because there isn't a lot there, you know, fine. What with me, obviously there's a lot more there, but within the series, there isn't a lot there. If you kind of had it all on paper, it would be a very tiny role with very much, you know, very little description. She made Ronette an important character. She made her the character that um, we're still talking about now, all these years later. by her incredible portrayal of it because you're right we know nothing but she gave us so much more than i suspect was on the page um and one scene we haven't really we kind of brushed over but we didn't really talk about ronette's viewpoint within her dream her dream was horrific but she saw laura very Mm bob-like very vampiric and very um yeah, I, I would say demonic. Um... Yeah, she didn't dream about Laura's death that we see in the train car in Fire What With Me. She dreamt about Laura being part of her trauma because she doesn't know what Laura's role in that night 
really was, whether she was supposed to be lured there by Laura, she doesn't know. And so in her mind, Laura is part of that evil and part of that terrible thing that happened to her um, because it wouldn't have happened without Laura's um, home life and without Leland, those things wouldn't have happened. It would have been a normal night in the cabin. Um, and so I think that the reason why I love that scene, even though it is completely different from what actually happened, it's, it's darker, it's terrifying because that's what she remembered. Forgive me, I might have mentioned this to you a few months ago, uh, and I, this would probably be more so for a Laura episode through the lens of Fire Walk With Me, but I really do believe that in Fire Walk With Me, we're seeing the world specifically through Laura's eyes where you know, everything that's close enough, but not quite right, just because of all the things that she's like trying to suppress and the horrifying revelations she has to deal with. And I believe that in the yeah. in the Ronette's dream, uh, what she sees that when she sees that, like what looks like a possessed Laura, that's like what what Laura sees in the mirror when she sees Bob is actually like what is going on, yeah. like when uh, what Ronette sees. And uh, I always thought like the whole yeah. like, devastating blows of like Bob killing uh, Laura is actually probably more so just like the tiniest bit of consciousness as like she's like just like laying in the car like because you can i would imagine that in some capacity you would still hear this or something would subconsciously carry over um yeah so yeah. I, I i think that dream that's i think one of the reasons why that dream is like so important to me because i feel like there's like a more accuracy if you will of like what really happened that night and just like the sheer terror of like from the outside looking in. Yeah, and that's a really good point that actually what she might have seen was when Bob was trying to slip in and, you know, take over. He was trying to take over and his target was Ronette, you know, and that's what she saw. She saw that she was the one in danger, not Laura, until, as we said before, you know, that her angel came back and it completely mm -hmm. switched. And all of a sudden, the lodge's um, focus was back on I, Laura. Actually, the one thing that just crossed my mind is that um, is that Laura it's established throughout the movie that like she just believes that the angels just won't help her. Uh, but the thing is that uh, with Ronette, she's like begging for you know her life, begging for forgiveness, and then her angel comes in, and then Laura sees this angel, and it reaffirms a belief that they do exist, and that like they've probably always been there. Uh, it's sort of like we were saying before about like in part three where the American girl helps Cooper. Uh, maybe that's like Ronette's role where it's yeah. like she's kind of forgotten, but also there's something about, you know, in, in these small ways, she helps key people. Yeah, I mean, Laura, obviously she did see that. I mean, some people think that Laura didn't see Ronette's angel, but she clearly looked at it. She clearly looked up. The light was on her face. I'm pretty sure she saw it. Yeah, pretty sure she saw the angel and yeah, she realized that they are real, but maybe she thought it was just not for her. They're real, but not for her. I think probably Ronette is um, Catholic and she still had her faith and praying is what saved her. And um, because that was her first go to, to pray for all the terrible things she'd done and to ask for forgiveness. And she was given it. And um, Laura never asked for that help she just always assumed that she was doomed and that no one could yeah, secret diary where it's like not just like by fire walk me but for years leading up to it that's just this like irreversible damage that she felt so yeah the idea of angels because yeah. even like in fire walk me the original script there was no angels actually this is i feel like this is actually a positive <laughs> yeah. thing to end the podcast on 
is um is uh in the 2012 uk festival phoebe augustine she talked about how uh lynch reached out to her and she uh she was like oh i don't want to be run that like i i don't want to deal like you know with like the terrible things that she did in this movie and lynch just on the spot said what if i give you an angel and that was enough for her to take on that oh. role that's beautiful, so, isn't it? That's really yeah. Because I know a lot of people ask yeah. about like where did the angels come from, and uh, I I actually at least the way she described that story, I do think that that was actually a thing that on the fly that Lynch just it just rang true to him that this would be important for Phoebe Augustine to be back. And uh, to be honest, I think the angels are actually what makes Firewalk with Me so much more visceral and memorable. Because uh, if you read the original scripts, yeah. it's uh, actually if you read the first script, it's just a prime example of why you never would shoot on your first draft. But yeah, the angels just <laughs> fully reaffirm just like what this is all about. And it's sort of like you and me were talking about a while back is that, you know, we look at that end scene of Fire Walk Me as like a quote unquote definitive ending to Twin Peaks. Because uh, it's, it's funny because yeah. you think that the darkest aspect of all of Twin Peaks has the happiest ending. Yeah. It is, it is a wonderful ending. And, and to me, that is still the ending of Twin Peaks. I still believe Cooper and Laura are still in the Black Lodge at the end of season three. But Firewalk with me, the voice of love scene is after mm -hmm. that in my little headcanon. That's, that's the ending because I won't give up on hope. And I know it's very idealistic, but I just won't give up on the idea of hope that Laura had her entrance to the White Lodge because she earned it. And Cooper didn't. He was still standing there waiting because he hadn't earned it yet. You know, he has to still keep working and probably will go through all this again. You know, there could be a season four that was identical. Mm -hmm. You know, he's probably going to have to keep doing this until he kind of gets it right. Um, but I have this really idealistic idea that the angels are the fallen girls that have gone before that are um, there to welcome to welcome them in because when we see Laura with the white light inside her, she's quite an angelic figure in that moment. She's there to help Cooper. Um, and just for some reason, again, he just won't accept it. She tells him he can go out. It's fine now, you can go out. But he didn't go out, he got scared again. He got scared. And when he was told to run, he ran. And that again is where he went wrong, you know? And so I, I, I love that idea my idea <laughs> not not one that anybody else buys into i'm sure that the angels are you know girls that haven't made it before who then are there to take the hand of the new girls coming in and and you know guiding them through that afterlife until it's their turn to then be the helpers and give back yeah. again that, i like that honestly idea. that's an idea that I has never crossed my mind, but that would like add a certain layer to it. Um, that uh, that it's uh, it kind of shows like there's a, I guess like you know like what 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 waits for Laura and hopefully Brunette for like when they ascend to something higher. Yeah, I mean the um, if we just kind of think about um, part eight in season three with um, the experiment and the atom bomb and the little bob blob and all the bad things coming out, you know, that's the Pandora's box of the season. And what's left inside the box is hope. And, you know, obviously that symbolized next with the fireman and with the little gold Laura orb going off to the world. But through uh, the reason I love season three is because there is always hope. And 
no matter which season you watch, there is always that element of light and there is always that element of hope. And I think didn't, I, I won't, I don't want to like misquote Lynch because I don't pay attention to things as well to like quote him, you know, properly. But doesn't he say, doesn't he quote something about, you know, the darkness is only there until you turn on the light, you know? And so there's some quote he made. I know he said something about know. that for his daughter, Jennifer Lynch, about how she's not in the shadow like that. It's, he's it's But like she's actually his light. Um, and that's the, that's the one that I can think of, but I know that it's it, like, that's the type of wording that I, I've seen him use when it's like pertaining to stuff, like more so in a hopeful demeanor. Exactly. He's used it several times in the sense that, you know, darkness and light are very important kind of motifs. And, um, I won't ever give up on the idea that the light is there at the end and it's the most important part of the story. I mean, I to guess, me. you know, we spent like uh, at least 40 minutes talking about how Renette was forgotten. But I do hope that, you know, with a quote like that, it does kind of lead to the idea that there would be some hopeful for Renette, like in some capacity for uh, for everything that she's been through. I hope so. She deserves mm. it. We all deserve it. <laughs> I, I think I've said everything uh, about Renette, but uh, were there any final thoughts on your end? Renette is very much a typical teenager at the start of the story and gets dragged into something that is out of, you know, she's really out of her depth, dragged into something that she doesn't understand. And um, she just is an innocent bystander in the whole thing. And like I said at the start, she's the forgotten mm -hmm. victim. And I think we should make an effort to remember mm -hmm. her. Anything you want, you want to talk about for uh, Between Two Worlds or anything where people could reach out to you? Okay, so Between Two Worlds is a really important place for me. It's, it's my online spiritual home. It's a wonderful, supportive community of incredible Twin Peaks fans who absolutely adore the show, who respect Lynch and Frost. That's how we run the group. We run it in the way that you know, we, we run it in a way that they're watching, even though they're not, we don't want anything ever to be disrespectful to their art and to their work, because that's why we're all here. And we've got so much from it. We just want to be able to always give something back. And so um, it's a really nice place and everyone should join it. <laughs> well, it's, uh, yeah, I thought this was an incredible episode. Um, thank you for coming on for it. Um, this was, uh, yeah, for such a small character, I just knew that there would be a lot that like, could be discussed. Yeah, exactly. And thank you for giving me a place to oh, discuss absolutely. it. Absolutely. And um, thank you again. And uh, hope that you can come back for another episode, Cheryl. Oh, I would love to. Thank you. Together.